Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. We are overjoyed that you have chosen to listen today. And please, if you like what you hear, share this with a friend who needs to hear it. I'm Jake. Tim Allman here. We are so excited. We have actually been on a little bit of a break. Yes. Uh, the lead time episodes have been coming back. out weekly, but we are in 2019, just about February in 2019, and we are pumped for our guest today, Greg Wenhold. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. Thanks, Tim. Uh, it is good to be here. I'm so uh, overjoyed to be a part of uh, a church like yours that wants to make a difference. And I love what lead time's doing. Love it. Well, thanks for making a difference in many people's life, Greg. And we just want to tell you a little bit about Greg as we enter into the conversation about the power of vision. Greg currently serves on the Greater World Vision Team that <laughs> seeks to eradicate poverty, especially in the lives of children globally. He lives here in Queen Creek, Arizona, and his heart and passion for the least of these has brought him to this special place to serve. World Vision is an international partner of Christians, maybe you've heard of it, whose mission is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ in working with the poor and the oppressed to promote human uh, pr- take away human uh, trafficking and go to human transformation, seek justice and bear witness to the good news of the kingdom of God. I mean, for 39 years prior to this, Greg, you've served as a pastor, having most recently served as a co-senior pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois. Wow, what an experience there. Prior to serving as good at Good Shepherd, you served as pastor to three congregations, all in Pennsylvania, southeastern Pennsylvania. Leadership, vision, and a global heart for missions drives the bottom line for his ministry. His educational journey started at a small liberal arts college in Pennsylvania. How do you say that? Ursinus. Ursinus College. Love it. <laughs> How big was Ursinus? I'm uh, just like curious. 1,800 okay. students right. when yeah, I went yeah, there. Yeah. It was. Like, you knew everybody. Everybody yeah. knew you. Yeah. yeah. That's like our then college Then from there, experience. you went on yeah. to seminary uh, at Luther Seminary in Philadelphia. What a beautiful city. For his Master's of Divinity and then a doctorate degree in leadership and church growth at Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. That is incredible. Eight years ago, uh, the Winholds established a not-for-profit known as 413. Tell us about that nonprofit. We uh, had been global. Okay. And when you go global, you see um, just things that crush you. They wreck you. So as a church, you'd gone global? Is that what you mean? Or even just as a family unit? Tell me. I went with World Vision. Okay. That was my that was uh, invitation 15 yeah. years ago. And when I got back, I had a case of the guilties. You Where know, did you go? To Kenya, Kenya and Uganda, Uganda. Eastern Africa. Yeah. And I came home and I, I wanted to sell everything I had. <laughs> and someone talked me off the ledge and said, you know, that's not what you do. You use where you're at and sure. the resources that you have to make a difference. So I was talking to one of the uh, people who was a part of the congregation I served. He was an attorney. And I told him about this one. And he said, we can help you establish a 501c3. Very cool. To uh, take people's resources and put them to good. So we use in that organization, 413, no administrative costs. Mm, uh, every dollar that comes in right now goes out, and we're hoping that's the way it's going to be. Uh, friends and family from the East Coast now 
uh, friends and family from the Midwest, Mm -hmm. and maybe in the future, friends and family from the Southwest also. So you're supporting like the poor in Kenya? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, a orphanage that we have located. It's a real uh, indigenous local orphanage without uh, the partner of 413, I think those kids will be on the street. Sure. And so it's it's not as a development core like World Vision is. Uh, it is real, raw, and basic. Grassroots. But it's uh, been yeah. fun. It's been an adventure. Hmm. It's been a blessing by God. He's taken us to places that we never knew we could go. Yeah. As you can see, Greg's got a power for... Uh, and a gift for vision, but then also getting the people around him for execution. And uh, I believe Ida Lynn, your wife, married 36 years. She also is uh, helping with that ministry. Oh, sure. Partnering with yep. as well. Yep. Yeah, they have three grown children, Dan, um, Holly. Hallie. 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 Hallie and Greg. Dan, Hallie, and Greg. And today we're going to um, ha- invite him to share a little bit more on the main theme of the power of vision. So let's get started with that most basic question then, Greg. What really is vision? I mean, when you really boil it down, you're really plain and simple it, understanding of vision. What is vision? Give it to us. Well, you know, if we were created by God in his image to do good works, I really believe that scripture tells us that. Uh, there's uh, always a desire from the way I read uh, those words that he put in the sacred 66 uh, to do some great the Bible. things. I like for, that. The Bible. Yeah, I love that. B I B L E. I'm going to take that one. Sacred 66. You do. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to get? Who's going to get first at the pulpit? That's sacred what we're going to say. <laughs> all right, keep going. Sorry. So we're easily distracted. That's all right. Me too. <laughs> Me too. So I really believe God has said to us over those. Um, those words in those books, uh, listen to me okay. and walk with me. Uh, but he promises to walk with us mm-hmm. and he wants to embed in us the vision that he has for his creation and then for us to replicate it. So for me, vision is uh, humbly with a servant heart doing the best for God mm-hmm. and figuring out what God would do to address a situation and allow it to be your prime mover in your life. That's, that's a powerful definition, brother. You, you know, it's future. It's where is God leading us? And there's almost that prophetic arm as a leader, as a pastor, or maybe a CEO in a business. You, you got to be able to foretell where we're going. But Look here's ahead. here's the reality. I think the best leaders don't do that in isolation. It's not like you go off to mm-hmm. a mountaintop experience, you receive the word from the Ooh. Lord for your business, and then you come back and thus says the CEO, you yep. must, do, you know, that yep. never works. He came works. back from a conference. And he came back from a conference with 20 new ideas implement we have in the to next do week. Now. Right. No, that doesn't, that doesn't work. So here, I mean, one of our main leadership values is we cast vision. We do it in a team as a community of leaders. So I'm really interested with your 39 years as a pastor and I think 20, what, 24 years as a co-senior pastor. Very, very cool. How did you cast vision as a team? For us, it was uh, pulling people together and uh, seeking God's word, Mm -hmm. seeking his voice, uh, direction. I don't want this to sound real woo-woo on on you today. the reality is in scripture, there is a concept known as discernment. Yeah. Mm. I didn't learn about that. No one taught me that. No seminary on that. Yeah. You know, it was a pretty stock 
let's pray our stock prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, appear holy. Let's speak the, the jargon, the language. Uh, but when you really take time to open up your heart and say, God, speak, your servant is Samuel. Yes. Um, that's that uh, wonderful thing. Speak for your servant is listening. God speaks. I mean, why wouldn't we think that he would speak? And so for me, uh, it has been a process of discernment, but it's not a lone ranger process. And that's one of the things that I really love is working with people, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, to get it right. And so we would always, in context that I served as a leader, take time to pray first, to think about our context, where had God placed us? We're all in different places across the world. And what resources had he given to us? What are we using? Well, what aren't we? And then allow for uh, that moment to be a catalyst. And it wasn't just, wow, I know leaders who believe it's their thought process and God only speaks to them. And I think uh, they can foul up systems. Yeah. When you touch uh, people's lives, the people God's brought to us, the many spiritual gifts that we all have, wonderful things happen. And that's uh, what took place along our journey. So we, we don't talk as much about discernment. I don't know if we've even done like a teaching a sermon series, it, you kind of talk around it, but that word. So, so get a little bit more nitty gritty on your process of discernment as a leader, both personal and then as it moves corporate, really simplify it for our listeners. You know, for me, because prayer can for individuals, for myself be scary. Um, and it takes intentionality to pray, yeah. uh, to cut that, time out of your your busy schedule to say, I'm going to spend time with God. And so one of the things about discernment for me has always been, first of all, being quiet, listening. And in our culture today, busy, fast-paced life, in a church like this, in churches I served, where we want to see, um, we, we want to get beyond the red zone. We want to get in the end zone. That's right. And uh, with the Super Bowl coming up this week, you know, that's that's kind of like one of those images. If you just get mm-hmm. to the 20 yard line, you know, put it in. So who who gives you that energy? I, it's the Holy One that has always brought those vision moments for me. And it just be quiet. He will help infuse uh, along with context. So a lot of scripture reading and discernment, yeah. a lot of a lot of quiet and and then time to talk uh coming away from those uh prayers and and just talking openly yeah uh, what did you feel god was saying where are we what hills do we want to climb what things does he want us to do for him and uh it, it always takes on um a very community uh feel to it mm-hmm. so it's not it's not done in isolation right but it's for me, it's been best on when maybe four or five are in a room yeah. and people are praying and, and people are talking and people are focused. Yeah. Tim and I have both had experiences similar where we've gone off with groups of people, monastery kind of life, um, uh, retreat experiences. And um, if it's with your, your friends from work, though, it is kind of like 
everyone wants to get to the task. What's the tr- strategic plan that we're going to nail down here? But then you spend maybe half of the time praying and being alone and, and then coming back together and hearing people's stories and, and nurturing our soul. That's really where the power goes for the long haul because uh, we want to be trees planted by streams of water and we can only have that water of the of the Holy Spirit through prayer and power of the word. Yeah. And if we don't spend that time, yeah. um, we're going to be pretty dry. How, when you talk about co-pastoring um, and vision and even this discernment process, walk us through like how a church would go from, oh, there's a senior pastor to two senior pastors and uh, collaboration there, mission. What What led you guys to that, if you would? I think that model to be the best we can. Um, two are better than one. There, there's no doubt about it. You know, the, the court of three, the strand is strong. And when the body works well together, um, things flourish. God really works in uh, powerful ways. So for us, it was watching a church grow and recognizing that we both be in the same age had gifts that were um, similar but different Mm -hmm. and uh, honoring that and allowing that to be at a peaceful moment for us. And, and I say peaceful because you have to, I believe you have to get to a place where you feel comfortable about yourself. If you're going to do uh, life in the spirit of um, caring for each other's gifts. So no one is better than another. And we hear that all the time um, from the pages of scripture. So for us, uh, we were taught, uh, we were intentional we just didn't stumble into it and say, hey, let's do co-leadership. Uh, let's see if it's possible. We took a good, hard look at each one of our spiritual gifts and tried to weave it together. Uh, to some degree, it felt like um, I was married twice. I, was, I, had another, <laughs> I had another person that I was doing life with yeah. in the same intensity that I do with my wife. And so what we would try to do is figure some things out, uh, not to stumble, uh, but to multiply. And one of the things that we were taught in the beginning is this an acronym for ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Freud tells us what basic ego drives us. It's who sure. we are. It's yeah. important. I, I don't think ego is a bad thing. It it tells you who Jake is, who yeah, Tim yeah. is, who Greg Our identity. Is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but for us, we learned uh, if you're not careful and check your ego at the door, you'll edge God out. Hmm. What's the better way? Uh, exalt God only, baby. Mm, and, ego. Uh, yep. Exalt God only. Yep. And so we, we would play that out. And we would always say, if we're not exalting God only in everything, and it sounds pure, it sounds uh, wonderful. In the 20 years that we did co-leadership together, we didn't have one argument. Hmm. Did We disagreed. But you can disagree Agreeably. in a healthy right. way. And people... Um, I think they lose that context in the church. How many times do we watch churches explode and blow up and fracture? And it's not because they're multiplying. It's because they're dividing. And um, God wants unity in Scripture. There's no doubt about it. So good. And our next podcast, we're going to talk about meaningful meetings Ah. and that same concept of wanting to um, disagree agreeably and um, have that, that shared trust. I mean, if you don't if you don't walk into the meeting and expect that there's going to be a little 
uh, for lack of a better word, tension, but a good tension of, of ideas and sharing and collaboration. And then we're going to walk out unified. Yeah. We're not really going to have a powerful vision as we head forward. So, so when you think about it, though, that's what vision's all about, is agreeing. Agreeing. On the pathway you're going to walk. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's not one person's path. It's God's right. pathway. It's his vision for you. That we are walking together. Correct. Yeah. And so for us, everything about the vision was um, focus. Yeah. And in every budget item that we had, every decision we made went back through the vision. You know, there, there's a part of me through some self-reflection we're, we're both competitive, athletic, that you want to be the guy, you know, it, but we'll look at, look at how I'm at, you know, the, whether it's a sermon or the strategic, whatever, but it just is over and over again, centered in the model of Jesus as a leader. He took the low place, Philippians chapter two, humbled himself even to the point of death. He was exalted through the pathway of death. And then you look at the leadership model of the 12 being sent out with a variety of different gifts in a variety of different seasons. Yes, they had their unique roles, um, but they their main call was to multiply disciples, meaning they had to bring um, and, and a level playing field. There had to be great unity and, and collaboration in their spirit. But but today and age, you look at a at a CEO or a senior pastor, whoever it is, and it pride comes before the fall. And so when you are off on your tower and you think it all depends upon you, oh man, I, I just got to share this story. I was talking with a brother recently, a pastor, sweet, sweet man. Uh, but he said, as he's looking to transition right now, he said, there's no one else here can do what I do. Oh, no one else knows on the people like I know them. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, man, Sad. one, who have you been pouring into? We talk apprenticeship, discipleship, and and two, uh, gee whiz, man, just look at the look at the heart of Jesus. And do you actually believe? Because this is not a sin. I think we've said this before. This is not a sin against a person. This is a sin against the third person of the Trinity. It's a sin against the Holy Spirit, correct? Who resides in every baptized believer, correct? So uh, Gary and I. Uh, the one who I did co-leadership with, I would always say to him, okay, there's going to be a day uh, 20 years from now when we're sitting on a beach side by side. That was my image, you know, kind of paint this picture. And and um, truth is, no one's going to remember us. Mm. Now, if they stopped and thought, who served here 20 years? That the, the context is not to be remembered. Right. The context would be someone walking up to us in those beach chairs and saying, I want to tell you both how exciting the ministry is. It's still flourishing. Yeah. It's growing. Wow. It's multiplying. We're going. We do it. It's yeah. bigger than it's bigger now and multiplying more and disciples are being made more than sure. we ever here. Sure. So, you know, the statue, the picture. It's more healthy. The the you know, the hall that's dedicated to Tim Allman. It, do you really need that? No. You need Who to cares? know that the brick and mortar right. was the spiritual souls that you developed. That's right. And it's multiplied through generation after generation. And that's what God wants for us. Us leaving a legacy. Correct. Spiritual church legacy. So leader out there, you're hearing a few things. Number one, take a day off. Uh, take a break. Take a Sabbath. If God took it on the seventh day as a model for us, it still applies to us today. And get alone then. Number two, silence and solitude can really change your your life as a leader so that you can then pour into the souls and, and lives of others in the secular and sacred world. 
Um, and then three, who else is, is next to you as you're teaming up? That it's not about you, but it's all about God, no matter what kind of field you're in, um, so that you could leave a legacy pointed to him um, when you pass that baton on. Now, the power of vision um, it continues on. So we've worked with different teams, you know, with horrible vision and sometimes uh, great vision. Um, uh, currently, I mean, we have some God-sized vision, strategic 10-year plans, and we just pray that as we've discerned that that God would um, show us the way over the next 10 years. What's one main reason, though? Because it doesn't always work out. You know, you have a great grand vision. People are following um, that vision, but sometimes it doesn't work out. So what is one of the reasons you would say you've seen that a vision just doesn't take off the ground, even though it's compelling and people are trying to implement it with energetic fervor? You know, I I would maybe step in a different direction and say, what in that season that you thought things weren't working perfectly, like everything wasn't lining up, Mm -hmm. what did you learn in that season? And possibly that's the place where God wants to build. I I don't, Mm -hmm. the God I know and who I've worked with at times can be a linear God. He can say to me, you're sinful and unclean and you need my salvation. Come and receive it. And that's an A plus B equals C moment. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it's the God of the unexpected. Mm-hmm. And it's not out of the blue. It whacks me in the head all the time. Most of the time, it's we're going to be calculated right now because you can feel and discern his guiding and it'll bring something new to you. And you have to recreate the vision at that time. Mm-hmm. You don't throw it away. You don't trash it. Right. But you say, okay, what's the next phase of our vision? So I'm a believer that when churches or leaders get in a position, that if they run the vision too far out, yeah. it'll fail. Yeah. It's the S-curve. It's the um, when the mighty fall is a Jim Collins book that he talks about the decisions you make going up the S-curve will determine what happens when you get to the top. And we all have to know when to recreate that that next S-curve. Yeah. Or let's say it better, we have to know when we're listening to God and continuing to discern yeah. with open hearts and listening ears about where is the next step to go. Yeah. And so what we knew three years ago may not be what we know Today, hopefully it isn't. Hopefully we've learned, we've grown, yep. and uh, we take next steps. Yeah, so it's the holy pivot. <laughs> you know it. You right? know it, yep. And, and yep. we need to be, especially in this rapidly changing world, casting big dreams. Uh, yeah, get after it, right? But then remaining flexible enough as a team to discern where God is leading and to make those consistent pivots. And maybe on a quarterly basis, we talk wildly important goals. What's the right next step? Maybe that's for you. It's a month or three months. We're going to reevaluate where we are, the people on our team, where God is leading, speaking to us uh, through the word. And then we're going to make that that holy pivot. That's so, so good. And we know, we know the context. I mean, one of the things we probably should have uh, been very apparent and aware of in the beginning of this conversation is where do you build vision? Where do, where do you go to even know that? God gives us these two great moments, the great commandment, the great commission, and he wants us to be great for him. <laughs> and if you build yeah. on those two greats, yeah. every vision I've ever had in the church builds on loving God, loving it's others. It's not rocket science. No. <laughs> and then cycle. also multiplying yeah. the church. Yes. That's right. This body. And if you build the vision on that and listen to your context, 
you'll know when that holy pivot comes, when you have to move in the direction you have to move in. God is the one, Ephesians 3.20, yeah. he's able to do immeasurably more, more than we could ever hope or imagine. And this is for the business leader, too. Um, you want to bless your community. Are you serving people? Where are the people that need your product, whatever it is? And you need to be able to make those pivots, too. And you need to dream dream consistently with your team. So I am very interested in, in your story. You uh, pivoted in your career from 39 years as a pastor, now working in an entirely new, it's still in a sacred space, uh, but in an entirely new environment. Tell us about that journey into a new season of life. We, I'm sure we have listeners who have made this journey or maybe even contemplating uh, the next, their next season of life. So talk about that life transition. Uh, my dad was an OBGYN really? and wow. I watched him transition. Huh. Um, and he went cold turkey. He he just stopped doing delivering babies and and helping women um, with their health. Not mid delivery, right? No, 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 no. Okay. It, it yeah. didn't do a that, high five. Yeah, yeah. We're done, no, we're done. no, no. And and so, but so I just watch, totally retired. Just yeah, done. And, and I watch him. He he lost himself. Oh, he didn't have a plan. He thought, and I think a lot of people think that, that what I'll do is I'll, I'll put a lot of uh, money away or, or I'll think about where my next home will be. And they just go and they forget to look ahead. Yeah. What's my purpose? I mean, what am I living for? Correct. What's, what Correct. am I getting up to do yep. every day? And so one of the things I really believe as a leader in the church, we always have to be looking ahead. And going back to that ego. If you get caught in your ego as a pastor, and it's easy to do it as a leader, even in a business, and you think you're the only one that can do that, mm. danger. I, I'm, you know, it, yeah. it shouts danger. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I always wanted to be the, the leader who was honest with myself and um, know when it was that fresh leadership was needed. Mm -hmm. It didn't mean that the leadership that I was currently about was bad. It was still moving. It was still flourishing. But I wanted to make sure that I took that next step. I knew and Gary, who I co-led with, knew that we were there and uh, things were the church was in an awesome place. But we wanted to be able to allow for that awesome place to be someone else's starting place. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we did. And so I went to discernment. And as I was praying about. Um, how we would do that transition, God opened the door. And that's the whole thing of discernment. If you stop and listen, I, in my life, what's happened is God speaks. Mm -hmm. He doesn't leave you hanging out there. Sometimes if you have to relearn something, if there is somebody listening today who says, well, I have prayed, I have opened myself up and nothing happened. It's for my perspective is probably because there's something inside of you you may have to address before you take that next step with God. So for me, it was uh, moving forward. It was uh, knowing there was a lot to do. And what my wife and I were going to do is take that next step to work with the global community. Yeah. That not-for-profit that we had started, we were going to work intentionally. And God uh, aligned then a 15-year journey I had had as pastor in, in relationship with World Vision for me now to step into a new role. 
And it is so exciting because I have skill sets that will always live with me. God's nurtured them over uh, my years of life, but now I'm learning brand new. I I feel like a a child walking again. And that, that's not daunting. That's exciting. exciting. It's an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. New season of life. I love that, you know, 15 years ago, you didn't even know that this would be your life. Fast fast forward 15 years, you know, that you met World Vision, you were rocked by God in this experience at Kenya, and then you got involved. And then um, you never saw yourself, but you maybe you did. But, you know, eventually it's like, man, I'm going to retire and transition. And God provided this other opportunity. So if you're listening out there, there are many opportunities to serve God in and out of season. And as Pastor Tim told me once, uh, the, there's no retirement in the Bible. No. Never says that. So. Re- refirement. Yeah, refirement. I yeah. like it. <laughs> Thanks for refiring, refiring yourself and, and in and out of season, being willing to ask uh, God for a vision on your life. And simply, as you said, it's about the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. So you have a deep passion for Jesus. I'm I'm curious. We've talked a lot around discernment. Take us through, we're way into rhythms, spiritual rhythms. Take us through your regular morning that centers you uh, like that. As, as a leader. You know, I look back as you asked that question. I look back on my life and I was always the power broker kind of guy that would get up and I'd throw prayers God's way. Good morning, God. Good to see you. Down a cup of coffee, get dressed, get moving, Hmm. get to the meeting. (laughs) And, um, you know, maybe think a couple moments of God present. Hmm. He was with me. I I was not going uh, solo on this one. Mm -hmm. He was, we were together, but I wasn't intentional. And I, I got to be honest, it's only been in the last two years. And possibly that's a big component. No, definitely it's a big component that's taking me along this journey to be able to move beyond 39 years of ministry mm-hmm. with excitement and just energy because I spent the last two years every morning getting up. First thing I do. Don't look at my phone intentionally. It's, it is yeah. so, so, uh, you know, calling my name yeah. to see what emails you have. See who wants you. No, leave it alone. Go into a quiet. How important am I? I got to yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it does. That's what digital media does for us. And um, the word, though. Yep. So uh, I, I sit. I'm quiet. I read and I read scripture and I'll read a couple chapters. I'll read more. Sometimes I stop because what I've read is so overpowering. I just let it sit. Mm. And so um, it's fun now to go back. And I, when I began this two years ago, I've had so many uh, copies of the Bible in my possession over the years. But I said, let's start afresh. And so now... I'm looking at it and there are places I've reread again and I'm through it. And, you know, people think they can't uh, climb that mountain of reading the entire scripture. Just give a couple chapters every morning and give quiet. And that that's my morning. Uh, And then end in prayer, intentional prayer, prayer uh, of thanksgiving, uh, prayer of confession, prayer of help me get the best me out there for you today. Yeah. Amen. It's really, really powerful self-reflection there, Greg. And what I love about 
your story is you reflect on prior to the last two years and I don't sense an ounce of like shame or like major guilt or regret. Um, it, that was in that season. God got hard. But now in a new season, he's led you to reevaluate your, your rhythms. And it's there's a lightness to it and, and, a, and a reinvigoration. And I love how it's just all centered in God's word, which is fresh. It's alive and it meets you in different seasons in powerful ways to give you exactly what you need as a leader. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And a lot of, a lot, a lot of times in our rhythms, especially if you're type A or you're, you know, you're just like, you're rushing through it. So just make sure you heard that listener that as you read the Bible, just pause, let it wreck you. Let it, let it, um, just sit with you. Uh, there's something called Lectia Divina, the divine reading where you just keep meditating, chewing on like a cow would honestly chew its cud to get the nutrients out the same text, one line, one word from the Bible. It's not about taking in the whole thing. Just sit with a passage, even for a week. I was reading the Psalms like one a day and I was just cruising through it. So now I'm sitting with one a whole week and it's like, it's powerful. Oh, just sit, just yep. sit, just listen. Yep. Yeah. I love it. As we head down the home stretch here, we have three questions. We ask all of our guests, Greg, it's been great to have you on here. What young leader are you currently apprenticing? How's it going? What does that look like for you now? Well, having made a move, um, into the Southwest from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm catching up on some of that. Uh, there's totally. some people on my World Vision team I just was with in Denver uh, for the past couple of days. And um, I am pouring, trying to pour into their lives without uh, them thinking, here, here comes Mr. Know-it-all. You know, there's nothing worse than someone who thinks they should be a mentor or pour into someone's life and the other person doesn't see it. So I, I always get into a situation where someone usually, uh, the relationship goes deep and then all of a sudden it, it's natural. Yeah. So, um, I'm still working with, uh, a person back in Naperville, Illinois, uh, part of the young life system. And Matt came to me, uh, super talented human being, but also super humble. Mm. And I think that's what it takes working with another human being. So it's not one person just uh, lecturing yeah. or throwing uh, things at the person, but there's a give and take and it's intentional too. You can't just expect it to happen. You can't say, well, uh, when you need it, give me a call. No, this is one of those moments where you have to have an intentional day and time. You guys meet about one hour a month or? We were doing uh, every other week okay. for a while yep. and then it turned into once a month okay. as the rhythm the got there. The key word is intentionality yeah. there because it won't happen if it's Correct. not there and could Correct. be sloppy. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. What are you reading right now? I love to read. Uh, <laughs> I am reading a softer, what I call a softer side of leadership that just jacks you up because it gets to the place where I think sometimes we as leaders don't want to go. It's a book uh, by Brene Brown, and many of you are listening may have uh, read some of her work before, but it's called Dare to Lead. And it's intentioned uh, to help leaders have those brave conversations. Um, when I look back uh, where I was at like 25, 26, when I first came out, I was a power, what I would call in that time, kind of like a power broker leader, a type personality drive, get things done. But my guesses are probably a few dead bodies lying around on the side <laughs> of the road. That's not good. Not good. And so for me, what's been happening is as I take the journey, God's been revealing to me that, uh, 
it's not about who I am. It's about who he is through me. Yeah. And so uh, Brene, she dives in, in one of the places is empathy. She doesn't um, say it's easy to do. It's not. When you see another human being, and, and especially as leaders in a church or a pastor, or, or it's easy to, come on, gut it up, Jake, we had, get going. And, you know, because we want to get to the next place. Or if Jake's hurting, to say, ah, oh, poor Jake. That's sympathy. Empathy is when you just stop and look at, at the pain Jake might be going through. And say that that sucks. It's bad. It's you live with the person where they're at, and I think as leaders, sometimes we need to live with people where they're at a little bit more. Yeah, not try to fix pre- them, preach them out of that. Fix them. fix them. You know, make the kingdom perfect. Um, the kingdom is perfect. Uh, we're the imperfect ones. So I love Brene Brown. Uh, and I would highly, she's got uh, quite a few books. She uh, teaches at University of Texas. And um, I just would encourage. I just added it to my Amazon list. I feel like you. I feel like I have to ask this question right now, Jake. Do you need to talk? <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm here, dog. Stop, stop pushing me. <laughs> empathy. I am doing fine. Practice empathy. Just so our listeners know, Jake's got a big smile on his face I'm right doing now. Great, all is well. Yeah. What's your primary word of advice for young leaders, Greg? You know, I don't want to uh, make it too simple. Listen. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? Listen. All right. Yeah. And I, you know, you say that in a way mm-hmm. that. Uh, I you can't tell a leader to do that. You have to want to do that, and it is what we find in in life difficult to do. Yeah, it's been awesome to have you on the show, Greg. I'm gonna put you on the spot here, but Greg and I got a chance to spend some time at a World Vision conference, and it was the first conference I had ever gone to, honestly, with my wife Nicolette. Cool. She had the time, and we really were able to bond there and had a good time with you and your wife. And World Vision has these marathons that they do, and you've run a couple times, right? Chicago Believe Marathon. Believe it or not, yes. Yes, love it. And so we challenge each other because I've run five half marathons, and it has been really, really tough to, to go any further than that. But I'm putting it out there that I'd like to run the Chicago Marathon in October with this guy right here. So oh are you still goodness. game? I am game. I'm All right, game. We're doing Let's this. do it. Tim Allman just heard this. I'm not game. Hey, but I'm praying for you. Tim is a wonderful golfer. He's got a lot of challenges in his life with golf. But we're going to try to gut this out. I'm Um, game. uh, Me too. Me too. It's good. You guys are awesome. Greg, this has been a fantastic time, brother. You are a gift to the church. We love. We're selfish from time. We love having you here in the East Valley, learning from you, popping into our worshiping community from time to time. I love worshiping here. There's Greg. Great place. We love uh, World Vision. Up. Yep. Leader, if you would like more information about World Vision, we'll put the show notes out there that you can grab Greg's contact, reach out. He is a marvelous, marvelous uh, partner in the gospel. Next time on Lead Time, we're going to be having an interview with a younger generation leader, a Gen Z leader. Uh, KJ Strews is his name, who has recently launched into leading some really cool ways in the nutritional health and wellness field. You will be blessed. Once again, Greg, thank you so much for hanging out with us and may the peace and joy of jesus rest upon you for decades to come brother peace we have been blessed thank you you have been listening to lead time with tim and jake 
please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.